You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click donate. I think we have to be clear that any effort to merely reform a system that includes slaves and lords, servants and masters, rather than eliminating these kinds of relationships, isn't good enough. The, the, the types of systems that, that, that these words uh, describe, those types of systems are to be eliminated, not reformed. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is episode 392. Our title this week is No More Slaves, and our reading is from Mark 10, 35 through 45. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, Let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. In this week's narrative, two of Jesus' disciples ask for precedence above the other disciples. In modern political terms, and and given what they understood of, of the reign of God and what the reign of God would allow for, they're asking for the equivalent kind of to be kind of a first or second cabinet position in, in, in Jesus' kingdom. But, but before we fault them too harshly for this, they had good reasons from their sacred text for assuming what God's just future might look like. In the Psalms, we read in Psalms 110, verse 1 and 2, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. So so both Matthew and Luke's Jesus, they also repeat this kind of language. In Matthew 19, 28, it says, Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. In Luke twenty two thirty, it says, So that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. In in this week's story in Mark, Jesus replies that they're they're clueless as to what they're asking for, and then he asks them 
Can you drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? And I, I appreciate that, that, that in this passage, Jesus looks at his future cross, the, the cup in Mark 14, 36, as participatory for his followers, just as his baptism was. Jesus had been baptized by John, who ended up uh, beheaded by the powers for his refusal to be silent. And Jesus's options for his followers, cup or cross, are similar to John's options. Crucifixion, remember, was not a passive acceptance of abuse and injustice. It was Rome's punishment for those who refuse silence in the face of oppression and injustice. Jesus is here stating that that leading positions, they weren't to be arbitrarily awarded in the reign of God. Instead, they belong to those who refuse to be silent in the face of injustice and abuse when threatened with consequences for speaking out. And James and John, they were asking for what belonged to those who chose to follow the path of resistance. Uh, the cross, remember, for Jesus was not substitutionary, and I don't even believe it was a redemptive sacrifice. It's the price of resisting a system that seeks to silence resistance to its abuses. It was state uh, of violence. It, it calls us, uh, taking being willing to take up that cross, calls us uh, not to be passive in response to injustice, even when resistance will bring uh, consequences to ourselves. So, so if, if this is a new thought for you, I want to recommend where we've covered this before in the episode, Taking Up our crosses, injustice, and abuse. Also, those things which are eternal. And lastly, speaking truth to those in power. Remember that Mark's narrative was written after Herod had executed James, the first of the two brothers in our story this week. In Acts 12, 1 through 2, it says it was, about, it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. So in the story, though, the other disciples, remember, they, they, they respond in anger. They get indignant. And we're left to assume that they're not angry because the brothers failed to understand the egalitarian nature of Jesus's vision for human communities. Instead, they're indignant because these two disciples outflanked the others in their, their mutual competition to be first. And in reality, they all, all 12, failed to understand Jesus's lesson of first becoming last and last becoming first in, in Mark 9.35. Jesus then repeats the teaching here in Mark 10. You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercised authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. The reign of God is to be of a different order than the disciples assume here. And I I want to push back against this in a moment, but for now, the disciples are to aspire not to be lords, 
but slaves. The Christian scriptures later soften this tension, reducing lords to, to shepherds. In 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4, it says, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lord it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Now, I appreciate the emphasis on not encouraging lordship here, but this is my pushback. We have to also be honest that our sacred texts and narratives do endorse slavery and its hierarchy. Jesus challenges political patriarchy and familial patriarchy. Patriarchy. These, these forms are connected uh, from the beginning of Mark to the end, from the, the male disciples' repeated blinkered leadership failures to the way that, that women in the Gospel of Mark, women disciples, they practice the, the vocation of service. Mark it repeatedly shows another illustration of those who are, are last being honored as, as first, while those who, who were made first are considered last. And some scholars now, because of this, even question whether the Gospel of Mark could have been written by women within the early male-dominated Jesus community. And, and while I find that idea kind of intriguing, today... I think we have to be clear that any effort to merely reform a system that includes slaves and lords, servants and masters, rather than eliminating these kinds of relationships, isn't good enough. The, the, the types of systems that, that, that these words uh, describe, those types of systems are to be eliminated, not reformed. We, we, we can't just merely seek the lowest positions within hierarchical systems of domination and oppression. We're to reject those systems in their entirety. We, we don't need lords or slaves. We don't need masters or servants. It's time to leave both of those categories behind. What would our world look like with neither, neither slaves or servants nor lords? What would it look like if we instead made commitments of, of mutual care for one another rather than to more effectively and efficiently dominate each other? At the heart of that kind of world, would be respect for the dignity of every human being and an understanding that that we are connect, a connected part of one another. As, as Valerie Carr says in her book, uh, See No Stranger, a memoir and manifesto of revolutionary love. That's this month's recommended reading, by the way, from Renewed Heart Ministries. She writes on page four, you are a part of me I do not yet know. It would be a world where we choose social, political, economic systems that are rooted in the ethic of loving our neighbors as, as part of or as connected to ourselves, which we'll read about in a couple weeks of Mark 12, 31. But Mark puts these words in the mouth of Jesus, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. And here, the early Jesus movement 
movement is wrestling once again with efforts to redeem some meaning from Jesus's execution. And as I've stated before, this is just one explanation in the Gospels. I find more compelling and and, and a life-giving narrative uh, um, than the language of redemptive suffering and sacrifice in other parts of the Gospel narratives, especially in the book of Acts that focus on God overcoming or reversing or undoing, triumphing over Jesus's unjust execution through the resurrection event. And again, if you'd like more information on that, I'll recommend to you the episode Reinterpreting the Easter Story and uh, Imagery of a Good Shepherd, both of those. Death in, in that narrative is not overcome through more death. Death and death dealing is overcome through the greater power of life, resurrection life, and everything the state accomplished by executing Jesus was undone and reversed through the resurrection. So our goal today is is not pa- to passively give ourselves as ransoms for death, but to become channels of death overcoming life as we relate to one another as individuals and as we seek to shape our, our social, political, and economic structures um, that, that we share space uh, within with each other here in our world. And if we take Jesus's call seriously for, for no more lords, uh, and, and we work for a world where there are no more uh, lords or servants, then we'll, by the same effort, create a world with no more slaves as well. This week's narrative, I believe, is a call to both imagine and work toward a different iteration of our present world. Heart Group Application, share something that spoke to you from this week's e-site or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, this week, we've read about being honest about our sacred text rather than, than a posture of defensiveness or protectiveness regarding those texts. What are some of the challenges that this level of honesty creates in you, if any? And, and what long-term benefit is there in lowering our defensiveness and embracing this kind of honesty? Discuss that with your group. And then number three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone? Thanks for checking in with us today, right where you are. Keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working towards justice. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Thank you.